Welcome to Politics and Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being here, folks. We have a special program for you today. A very special program for you today. What is the topic going to be about today? The topics for today is as follows. About Barack Obama and Angela Merkel, a progressive must talk like this. Worker power, not inflationary. Worker power, not inflationary. Okay, folks, just want to make sure. Okay, Bridge says the sound is fixed. The sound is fixed. We have got YouTube up and running. Everything seems to be connected and working fine. Anyway, folks, by the way, why was the sound working? Because I have this new, uh, this new type of wireless mic that you guys actually brought into the fold so that we could get some better sound and therefore it is great good and now anyway folks again title of the show is about Barack Obama and Angela Merkel a progressive must talk like this worker power not inflationary okay I started out saying what about cinema what in God's name is cinema doing now she's talking about not wanting to have any tax increases on the wealthy but she's willing to maybe, just maybe, we can talk a little bit about a wealth tax or something. Look, this is crazy. Uh, I think, look, I have, no, I have no way of knowing. But she is acting like somebody who somebody is bribing. She is acting like somebody who somebody has something on. I don't know. Folks, if you're just joining us on YouTube... Give us a thumbs up, please. Uh, make sure that uh, we get that thumbs up. If you're joining us on, uh, on Facebook, please give us a like. Uh, I don't know if all the notifications went out yet. We'll see what occurs going forward. I have to do a few checks and balances as usual when we just get started. But the first thing that I'm going to do is play the interview that I did with um, Claudia Clark. Uh, let me go ahead and get that queued up. And then we can go ahead and get that one with Claudia Clark going. So let's go ahead and get that running, and then we'll come back after the interview. So it's, it, it's, a, it's a little bit. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being with us once again. Claudia Clark is the author of the upcoming book just released yesterday, Dear Barack. The Extraordinary Partnership of Barack Obama and Angela Merkel. Disruption Books, October 19, 2021, is the one publishing it. She received her Bachelor's of Arts degree in History and Public Policy from Michigan State University. She was the president of the College Democrats at Michigan State and was active in Amnesty International Now and pro-choice groups. Clark holds a Master's of Arts in Labor and in Industrial Relations from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, a Master's in U.S. History with an emphasis on women's history from San Jose State University, and a Master's of Social Work, MSW, from the University of Michigan with an emphasis in community organizing. She and her husband resides in Berlin, Germany, where all where she previously served as National Get Out the Vote, GoTV coordinator for the Democrats Abroad, the Germany chapter. Welcome to Politics Done Right, Claudia. How are you doing? Good, thanks. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely so. I mean, actually, um, uh, when all this was happening in Germany, the new, the new elections, etc., I kind of followed it with, uh, with the expectation that we would start to see a curve away from what we have been seeing, not only here in the United States, 
but throughout the world on sort of a rightward move. Why can you first tell me about the administration of Angela Merkel? Uh, Angela Merkel for the last, <clears throat> excuse me, 16 years has been the head of Germany's Christian Democratic Union or center-right party. And initially when she started, she was very, very, you know, she's on the, she was conservative, um, but as, as the years progressed, the longer she be, she was in office as chancellor, the more she moved her center right party to the to the center, and so she did. She made a lot of policy decisions in the later years of her her chancellorship. For example, opening the Syrian uh, the German borders to Syrian refugees, to making attempting to phase Germany away from using coal, that kind of thing, and that started you know in the late. 2015 kind of time period so mm -hmm. and as she has done that it has created a dichotomy in Germany because on the one hand her party members were upset with her for moving the party too far to the right and then and I'm sorry too far, her party members yeah. were concerned because too far to the left or center and on the other hand that the people from the liberal side still thought she was too conservative so she was kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. And it was interesting because she saw the writing on the wall in 2017 when she was elected for the fourth, for her fourth term. While it is true she was, she won re-election, it was, her party did the worst that it had done since, um, I think it was World War II. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were concerned because it was some of her policies. And then, the following year in 2018, uh, you know, the other various German states, you know, Germany is made up of 16 Bundestag right. and, and they had state elections and her party was taking a beating in that regard as well. Meanwhile, the, the, uh, the far right party, the AFD and the Greens were, were building momentum. And so she just, she made the decision to step down after her term ended this, this past September. And what's interesting is that, um, you know, we still don't know who's going to, who's going to be chancellor. We're, they're still kind of working out the details. But the, the candidate that was um, replaced her in the Christian Democratic Union, he took a, a, a really bad beating. He had done worse, um, the Christian Democratic Union had done worse than, than they, they'd ever done. And um, some people some people think it was because of the quality of the candidate. I, I try to stay kind of neutral on, on what happened and having an opinion. Um, but I really think it's more than that. I think this is very typical. We see this in the United States too. 16 years of having one party control a government, it's a long time and, and people want to change. And that was very evident um, as early as 2017 that people want to change. And so I'm not surprised that the, her party didn't do as well as expected. What I am surprised is, is how, how incredibly close it was, because I, I kind of expected it to be a landslide because things were showing, indicating that you know, people want to change, they wanted, and they wanted it in a drastic way. But would you have expected a landslide on the left side or the right side? I was expecting, um, I, I was expecting, it, we were hearing it, pretty much on the left, on the left okay. side. And it looks like we are, it looks like the new chancellor will be 
uh, from the uh, the center left party, the the um, right, the social, social democrat. democrat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we, you know, but we don't know for sure. But but not only that, but the way you know the German government works is that they they form a coalition. You know, the top the parties that I think the most I votes. think they have enough votes if the Social Democrats and the Green Party unite, right? Right. Yes. And and the and the holdout right now is is the the Free Democratic Party, and that's kind of the they're the free market. Right. market party they you know they don't believe in government regulation it's kind of let the government let the let the market they're the neoliberals and yeah. yeah and and so it, it's looking like i'm i'm in the states now but i'm you know i'm still trying to follow what's going on in germany but it looks like they're really close to forming a coalition between the, the three and then when the way they form coalitions in in germany is that they'll once they decide that they want to form a government together then they choose uh, their chancellor, then what they do is they'll pick that they put a, a platform together and then they decide who is going to be um, cabinet positions from which party. From which party. So right. that all kind of comes together. Mm -hmm. I, I think that is a healthier uh, system anyway because it gives a lot of opinions. It, it, it doesn't, you, you don't have to be one or the other because, you know, at the end you can actually get a coalition put together that represents right. more than one brand. Yeah, like, you know, I, it's interesting because in the United States, it's kind of a winner take all thing. Exactly. And that I don't think is particularly fair. But the one thing that I think is really interesting about this is right after the, you know, in the days right after the election, there was, there were talks because the way the vote looked, the per, the central, the, the um, center left party, the C CPU received the most votes. And then the, then the CDU and then the Green Party candidate, and then the FDP. So that was kind of the, the right. ranking. And it looked like the the Green Party and the, the FDP, the Free Democratic Party, you know, so the people that came in third and fourth, they were going to decide with whom they wanted to form a coalition. Right. So were they going, and they were going to decide, okay, is, who's going to be the new chancellor? Is it going to be Schultz from the, from the left, or is it going to be Lashen from the right? And that was a little interesting because because it, it seemed like it should be the other way around. It should be okay. It it seems like it should have been one of Schultz or Latchin deciding who with whom they wanted to work, but it right. was the other. You know, it's opposite. And and I think it's really interesting. And um, it and in other words, the know, minor point is we're the one picking who the winners are going to be, as opposed to these right, guys. Exactly. Saying, we are going to choose you and you to 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 come on the coalition. And, and you know, and it's it's kind of counterintuitive because the voters had spoken, and the, based upon the voting, the voters wanted um, Schultz to be the the right. the, ch the chancellor. But it, but it looks like there was a possibility because Lashen initially, I still don't think he has officially resigned yet. Right. But but it looks like you know, despite what the voters wanted, these other people could still come in and decide that they wanted Lashet instead as chancellor. So it's kind of interesting and it's counterintuitive to, to what we have in the States. But I do think it is definitely a lot healthier because I, this whole winner, winner take all thing that the United States has, you know, you, you win all, you know, all you need is 260 electoral votes right. and, and. But it's actually worse yeah. in the United States in that we don't really have a democracy. Two senators per state, when a state has uh, yeah. half a million people and the other one has 50 mil, 40 something million, 
It doesn't make any sense. Okay, let's go ahead and talk about your book. What got you into writing that book, uh, uh, Barack? Uh, the, the, the love affair between Barack and uh, Angela Merkel. Um, that's a complicated question. Um, I happen to, uh, we're still living in the States at the time, and I happened to turn on the final press conference between Obama and Merkel in 2016, post-election. It was Obama's final trip to, to Berlin as a uh, as president, and I, re I had been following Merkel's career because we knew, my husband and I knew at some point we were going to move to Germany, and I just remember Merkel being so visibly upset when a reporter asked her, what are you gonna, you know, this is your last working relationship with one another in a formal capacity, what are you going to do? And Miracle just looked like she was about to cry, which is so atypical of her. Right. And so I started thinking, okay, this is interesting. I want, you know, we'll see what happens. And then I happened to watch the first encounter between uh, Merkel and Trump in um, March of 2017 and when Merkel visited Washington and Trump would not even shake Merkel's hand and right. it was you know total 180 and I then I learned that Obama was visiting Germany later that year in, in May for the it was the fifth 500th anniversary of Reformation mm -hmm. and I learned that uh Obama's very, very first trip overseas post-presidency was to Berlin to visit Merkel. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, there's something here. You know, there's something really interesting about their friendship. And at this point, we knew, my husband and I knew we were moving to Germany. I don't speak German, despite my best efforts. I, I, <laughs> I have trouble with the language. Uh, so I knew I needed to do something that I constructed with my time. And I figured... I, you know, I, I'm concerned with what's going on in the world with Brexit and with the, the alt-right taking control in right. you know, Poland. And, and the, the telling thing about Obama and America's relationship is they're from, for all intents and purposes, they're from different political parties. Right. But they put their differences aside and work together because they knew it was in the, be the best interest. And so I thought, this is a policy lesson. Other world leaders can learn from this, that in today's globalized world, it's more, it's more imperative now than it was in, since World War II, since the Cold War, that allied world leaders learn to work together. Mm -hmm. And while that's the case, you see on the other extreme, you've got more, you know, Trump and Brexit, you've got countries trying so hard to separate themselves to, because they think they're trying to keep their borders safe. And I actually think that's the worst approach because, you know, with wars no longer um, entail just invading another country militarily, but somebody can do a plot a terrorist attack from their apartment in Belgium for for a uh, bombing in in Paris, and it's imperative that world leaders be able to share intelligence and talk and communicate with one another. And I'm just concerned with what the toll and that things are are taking the other direction. Yeah, absolutely. So now, um, when you saw the relationship between Barack and uh, you said that he flew the first flight was to Germany. How was his reception? And uh, did they really play that up pretty big out there? Or they made a big, big deal about it. Uh, they had they. I think there were approximately seven thousand participants that that visited. Because what it was was it was an open forum where Obama and Merkel spoke with a couple of. Um, um, clergy members mm -hmm. and some some other um, 
um, activists. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they had the forum and then you, you looked at the, you looked around the crowd and there were people who had signs saying, welcome back, Mr. President. And can we keep you Mr. President and do Bistein Berliner. So it was, you could feel the, the momentum. And I moved to Germany in September of 2017 and the Germans, it, it really, I saw a lot of how the Germans liked Obama when I was doing my research, but since I've been here, it is it is legitimate. They people would when they found found out I was an American, they were they would just ask me why couldn't no, could why isn't Obama president anymore? Can he become pre president again? And then you know my broken German, I'm like nine, you know no. And then it's, well why not? And so you know <laughs> in my broken German, I have to try and tell them because our constitution won't allow it. Well why is that? That's dumb, you know. So it really it was the the Germans absolutely loved him, and even now, uh, and so. I, you know, and I think that played a large part in the relationship between Merkel and Obama is because she knew how popular he was. I still remember that uh, that huge thing that he had in Berlin. I think it was Berlin when he uh, when when he had that big thing in the park, and thousands and thousands and thousands of people showed up to that. It was amazing. Yeah, two yeah, two hundred thousand two hundred thousand people. Imagine that, and that, and he wasn't even running for a place in Germany. But you know, it's it's interesting that you said. Uh, Merkel and Obama was they were from two different parties, which is true based on the, the names of the parties. But ironically, right. places like England, uh, places like uh, Canada, Germany, they they their their center right look nothing like what we like to call center right. They believe in all these social programs that we yeah. need here in the United States, but we are called socialists for wanting them. Your thoughts on that? Right. Well, yeah, and, and I and when I talk to people, I'm very careful to say, technically speaking, they are from from different political parties, but you're not comparing apples to apples because right. the 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 Republican Party now in the United States, it's not the it's not the conserv fiscal conservative party of say Reagan. It is it has been taken over by 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 extremists and religious right wing, and it is just it is definitely not you know, the, the fiscal conservative and, and the free market, that is definitely not the case. So it, I think that the Republican Party of today in the United States is almost equivalent to what is taking form in the rest of Europe right now. In Germany, you know, the, the AFD, which is stands for Alternative for Deutschland, and that's the anti-immigrant, that's the anti, you know, the, the anti-Semitism, that's, it's, it's building momentum in, in um, Germany, but it's but it's still a minority. And the 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 center right is a lot more. The center right in in Europe, not just Germany, but in Europe, is a lot more. It really truly is center, and it it is really difficult to try and compare apple compare political parties um, yeah it is amazing that is that is what i've noticed in in uh, in you know because you go to you know you 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 ask a conservative government in 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 england or or uh, or merkel uh would you like to go ahead and change your healthcare system to a more free market based healthcare system they'll say are you crazy the people won't allow yeah. that you know which is which yeah. is an interesting thing now uh, as far as your your book is concerned i know it was released yesterday um how um how what's the reception are you really getting getting it out there or 
Yeah, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised at the reviews that that I'm getting. Getting, I shouldn't say surprised. I'm I'm excited about it because excited. That's the right one word. of the yeah. <laughs> one of the things I what I really wanted to focus on was the positive side. You know, I'm not an, I'm disturbed at what's happening in terms of, of how negative and nasty things have gotten. Um, and in one, you know, one of the reviews I've gotten, you know, it was called a delightful because it was, you know, in a world where politics is often so scathing and so, mm -hmm. so nasty. I, I talk about how well they got along and, the, and yes, they had their differences, but despite their differences, they, they worked together and, and they, they learned from each other and they, they helped one another and how, it's a nice change of pace, and and I think th you know, that's what we that's what people will need to see. Now, if you want, I, I make no bones about my disdain for Trump, but right. but Trump isn't my Trump wasn't the focus of the book. You know, I, I talk about Trump at the very very end when I talk about how he managed to undermine everything Merkel and Obama had done together. Right. But I, but my, the purpose of the book was not to bash Trump. It wasn't to bash Brexit. It was more of a, this is how world leaders can, can what can what they can accomplish when they put their mind, when they put democracy and the well-being of, of society above their own personal beliefs or tastes. Now, uh, living in Germany and coming for some time now, I guess you lived in Germany for about three years or so. Uh, from 17 to now, right? Uh, coming yeah, back to the United States. Uh, how do you, uh, by the way, are, are you, is your husband German or uh, you just no, want we're to both Ameri we're, we're both Americans. And there are a lot of reasons why we decided to move to Germany. I've got family there, but uh -huh. a lot of it was my husband was, you know, he's an engineer and he worked in Silicon Valley right. and, and he was tired of the hour work weeks. I, um, I, got death threats from people because I supported the Affordable Care Act. Gotcha. Uh, and I just felt like I was a stranger in my own country. I, I felt my beliefs better aligned with what those of the European Union. So let me ask you this. That is, that is amazing that you're saying that. And I, I'm interested because I, I, I've interviewed people that have uh, permanently relocated to Canada, permanently relocated to England, uh, UK. And now you to uh, your relocation to Germany, are you becoming a German citizen as well or a German resident? How does that work? My husband has just permanent residence. I, because I came with him, he had, because he he's had the work permit, I was able to come in with him, but he could get residency sooner than I could. And the minute he could actually qualify, we'd been here long enough and he had made enough money he applied for residency and we're we're talking about we have a couple more years before we can actually qualify for german citizenship right and we would have to germany doesn't allow dual citizenship so we oh, would have to give up oh i didn't know that okay so panama where i'm from we can be dual citizens i didn't know that would then occur in germany now the interesting thing is with this recent election, one of the things the SPD does want to do, want to look at is granting dual citizenship. Right. So by the time we're eligible, and I think it's two or three more years, it might be a moot point, and we might be able to do both. I'm I'm on the fence on whether I want to give up my U.S. citizenship. 
we have to we don't have we have to file u.s taxes so right. we have to file u.s taxes and German taxes you know so it's a pain right we don't we don't really uh one don't foresee going back to the united states so right. my I mean, position is i don't really care right. i just want to be able to vote mm -hmm. and i can still you know i can't vote in germany but i still can vote in the united states so right well, I mean, I mean, the thing about it is you have time to think about it. And, and if, if one doesn't have to give up a U.S. citizenship, you know, you, you really don't. So if they change it, that's great. I, I intend to keep both of my citizenships. I think there is value yeah. in, in that. Um, but that is great. Now, uh, we're coming close to the end. Uh, is there anything that you want to tell me uh, that I that I should have asked you that I didn't? Um. I think the the one thing that I that I would like to emphasize about that that about the book is that it is something that it, it provided an opportunity for two people who who had, you know skeptical um, of one another and how they went from being skeptical of one another to you know Miracle cried when she said goodbye to Obama for the final time and you tell that to Germans and they're like she did what because it is so um uncultural so yeah out of character right and so I you know I think it's important for people in today's globalized world as polarized as we are you know I'm a political activist myself I spent my entire life being a political activist and I understand more than anything more than anyone the fine line between selling out and compromise. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's very gray. And I think we've gotten to the point where nobody wants to work with someone from the other side right. because they don't want to be seen. And look at what it has gotten us. I mean, we're having culture wars on a, pan, a public health issue that should be resolved, but people have turned it into culture wars and political. And that is just silly and it's dangerous. And I think you know the lesson you can learn from from obama and miracle is they didn't agree on a lot of things they compromised and and as a result the paris climate agreement was was signed you know mm -hmm. the iran nuclear and we we need to get away from this i'm not gonna you know this person voted for a republican you know this person went to an anti-gay church 20 years ago so i'm not gonna vote for them or i'm not gonna work with that's dangerous and that's getting us nowhere and and so i think we need to shift the conversation back to saying it's okay to work with somebody from a different, it's okay to have differences of opinion. You work together and you compromise and that just isn't happening anymore. You know what, uh, Claudia, I think that is a great place to end. And I think that that sentiment is very important for all of us who are activists, activists, journalists, activists, writers, activists on the floor to actually take that into account. It's not a sellout to want to work with somebody that may be diametrically opposed to your beliefs. Thank you so kindly. Claudia Clark, author of the upcoming book, Dear Barack, The Extraordinary Partnership of Barack Obama and Angela Merkel. Go read the book. It has great prescient information for you. Thank you so kindly, Claudia, for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank you so much for having me. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. I enjoyed uh, talking to her, learned a lot from her as well. Uh, don't forget, folks, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, uh, you are on Politics Done Right. And uh, let's see, it's that time, right? It's that time. Please consider becoming a part of the PDR Posse. Become a part of our team. Please go ahead and uh, if, you, if you so kindly can, if you are able to, 
please support what we do. Uh, just click on that join button if you are on YouTube. Click that join button if you are on YouTube, if you are on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch. You can still contribute by going ahead and support us at politicsandright.com slash YouTube, politicsandright.com slash YouTube. Alternatively, you can support us at politicsandright.com slash Patreon, which we need a thousand members here and a thousand members at the YouTube one as well. And of course, we always take PayPal, so you can support us at politicsandright.com slash PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. And you see those books that scroll all the time? Those are books. You can get that at politicsandright.com slash what again? Books, politicsandright.com slash books. And if you want to find that catch-all support for how are the different methods that you can use to support Politics and Right, please go to politicsandright.com slash support. We could not do this without you. In my move to uh, my temporary move to D.C. to take care of my daughter, if it weren't for you guys, we would still be coming over with crappy equipment as it is right now. We're able to broadcast in full, 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 um, full bits per, per, what is it again? BTS, bits per second, all that good stuff. We were able to do all that is necessary to do a good show. Before I forget, let me introduce everybody. Bridge MCP, welcome aboard. Bridge was the first one to remind me, Egberto, your sound is off on your new wireless device. The sound is off. Tom C was there secondly to say, Egberto, now you are loud and clear. Uh, Bridge says, we like, I mean, petition queen, my good friend Linda says, we like you, Egberto, and I love you guys too. Uh, Let's see who else we've got here with us. We also have Tom C. Tom says, per New York Times, lawmakers, Brazilian leader Jair Bolsonaro, accused of crimes against humanity, mass homicide and genocide in pandemic response. I read that. I wish somebody would do that. In fact, I think the international community could do that on Trump. He got over 700,000 people killed. E2247 says, and petu waste everyone. Good day. Welcome aboard, uh, E2247. Uh, who else is here with us? E2247, Ashley and Egberto thinking of you in a good way. I thank you so kindly. Bridge says, always prayers for Ashley. Thank you, Bridge MCP. Tom C says, uh, per New York Times, lawmakers accusing... Yeah, I just read that one. Let's see what else we got here. Bridge MCP says, I read that yesterday. Uh, What else have we got here? Welcome aboard, uh, Eric Hayes. Uh, I'll see that later. Yvette Avery Herod, welcome aboard, my dear friend. Uh, Eric Hayes says, how is this helping America... And the climate change agendas, if we're not changing, if we're not changing, making things more expensive. I don't know where you're coming from on that one, brother, but uh, I know it must be a reinterpretation of something. But hey, we'll get there sometime. Uh, Maywood says, good morning and hello from Long Beach, California. How you doing, my brother? Just realized what time it is. I know it's a bad time at noon. We've lost all our, our most, uh, uh, most of our four or, or three central people, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll find some sort of a common ground. A lot of people are watching it on the podcast, however, and I'm going to give you that new podcast area in a little bit. Maywood says, good morning from Long Beach. Uh, Tom C. says, Trump had a great relationship with autocratic leaders like Putin, uh, Erdogan, Bolsonaro, Duarte, Duarte, Duarte Singh, uh, or... <laughs> Man, you named them all, Tom. See, you named them all. You named them all. Maywood said it keeps freezing. I leave and come back. It restarts and freezes about the same place. I don't know why. Everything that I've seen here shows no drop packets. Let me make sure I'm not lying to you. I've got out of millions of packets, seven drop packets. So we should be okay. Uh, Ram and Nick Burns confirmation hearing yesterday was sober and everyone should watch the replay. I didn't see that one. 
Capitalism on full display, if you would read between the lines. Taos, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you. A petition queen, of course. They get on. All right, let's see what else we got here. Hi from Upper Michigan, Barbara Wilkes. Welcome aboard, welcome aboard. Okay, folks, I have another important video for you. Is is uh, Are these increases, these tax, these wage increases inflationary? I beg to differ. This is what I was to play yesterday, but we get a chance to play it today. Check this out, and then we'll take it on the other side. Chuck Todd and his minions were talking about Oh, the, the wage the people, there's a whole lot more jobs than there are people now, and workers have the power now. And that is absolutely true. But you know what? Workers have always had the power. They just never asserted it because of the enslaved mentality that this economic system had placed in all, in all of our minds. But when we realize that we have the power, whether there are shortages of jobs or not, we have the power because collectively we could always be our brothers keepers and not allow corporations to get our case but here we have now a republican pundit that is trying to say oh well if you know if we keep getting these wage increases it will be inflationary i want you to listen to the piece first it's all good most of it till he has those kinds of statements and then i want to talk about inflationary pressures based on wages listen to this and then we'll take it on the other side kimberly workers have never had more leverage and when you look around, and this is like one of those things that's like every, oh, every national news organization discovered strikes this week. But the fact <laughs> is, it is happening. Look, we've seen it in our own organization, more openness to organizing, more openness to unions. This is one of the more interesting consequences of COVID. Yeah, yeah well, I think it's an accelerator, actually, because mm -hmm. we saw that sort of movement toward unionization in places like newsrooms coming up for a couple of years before this. And then you add COVID, where people realized, okay, if I'm not making enough money, if I don't have enough benefits and you're calling me essential and forcing me to go to the job, I'm rethinking about what this means. And that really put more leverage uh, on the part of workers before companies could pay them or not pay them whatever they want to. And things have changed in a really rapid way. And that's what this uh, strike tober is representing. And, and John, this is not, you know, there was always to me a very distinct line, you know, on labor unions between Democrats and Republicans. Not with the Trump base. No, look, I, I think this is a generational moment. Yeah. For the last 20 years, people have been frightened to lose their jobs. It's not just because of the economic dislocations of the, of the meltdown of 2008. Because of health care and the worries about changing your job, because of the stuff that happened as a result of 9-11, all kinds of things, almost all the power in the United States has been in the hands of employers, in part because of the anxiety of the workforce. And that goes from the very poor to the very wealthy. Yeah. That is an anxiety shared by everybody. And suddenly we have nine or 10 or 11 million jobs open in the United States. And that's new. And I think the psychology of the employers or these corporations have yet to shift. I mean, they know they need to pay yeah. people a lot more money. There are all these, you know, Amazon is advertising, right. paying people a lot more than $15 an hour and all of that. But I think at John Deere and some of these other places, my guess is that the corporate culture has not yet shifted into the idea that 
we got to be a lot nicer to our workforce. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, people who in Washington are surprised by this dynamic have fundamentally misunderstood what happened in the pandemic when people with white collar jobs stayed home and complained about how hard it was to work on Zoom. Yeah. And people with blue collar jobs who were essential went to work every day and braved the pandemic. I mean, if you think you had a hard time working from home or you still are while you, are, while you were working on Zoom and you don't understand why folks who've been out in it every day are striking and are very upset, I don't know what to tell you. And and our service economy is a very labor-intensive economy. And now we're having, you know, one of the, uh, let me put up some of the companies here. Instacart is one of the places that's that's having one of these labor. I mean, I, I do think that this new sector of the economy that manufacturing manufactory workers were really important to our economy in the 50s and 60s now it's the service the service economy. the deliverers right. you the door dash yes. the instacart people who and are not paid very well they're not paid very well and so right are we going to have a generational change that this is covid we're going to look back 20 years from now and say that was the instigator for this or are we going to wake up three years from now and say oh well it was covid and guess what we're going to go back to normal because of all these other structural challenges we still have which is you know getting back to healthcare that is still a fundamental problem or you know so many of the other inequities that we have in our system so look i'm very interested to see where this all goes because the disruptors that we've expected in the past to make significant changes at least in our politics whether it was 9/11 or whether it was um, yeah. the pandemic didn't make big structural changes to our politics but our economy that's a whole different story. All right, and let, go ahead. I was just say, speaking of the economy, though, this is all happening at a time of rising and apparently non-transitory inflation. Right. And if wages have to go up significantly, that's inflation too. I mean, there are there are inflationary. This is a potential inflationary spiral. You want to talk about political consequences? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry that people term. can talk yeah. about how this might be great. This might be term. great for Democrats because it's ad, the new okay. activism and all of that. This is not good for Biden either way. It's not good for Democrats either way. They have the House, the Senate, and the presidency, and we could be looking at inflation continuing to go up in part justifiably in order yeah. to pay these Kimberly, people. It's a weird economy. We have yep. plenty of jobs. Yep. And it costs more to, to just keep your house. Yes, I mean, but one part of that is yeah, you can have fears about inflation, but the, the structure was unsustainable. You had this gig economy where people mm-hmm. were working second and third jobs just to keep food on the table, just to pay for the health care that, that the law required them to have. That was going to be unsustainable. So this, this uh, you know, conflagration of, of issues really brought it to the fore. And yes, you have these open jobs, but I think when you look at it study after study, it shows if you pay people more, they will take the jobs. It's really shifting from that corporate perspective that they can have large profits to saying, no, we actually, to be profitable, you need to treat your employees well. And that is so important. If you want to be profitable, treat your employees well. But here's what they don't, and I wish these pundits would articulate it a little bit better. They talk about increasing wages. In other words, that's on one side of the balance sheet increases uh, inflation. Why? Because to pay people more, you have to raise the prices of your goods if you want to keep the profits the same. But here's the other part of the equation they don't tell you. To constantly have rising profits, to constantly have the rising price of stocks, you always hear people talk about growth. 
growth, growth. There are two ways to attain growth, either the totality of growth or the delta of growth. The delta of growth means you reduce all your expenses so that you actually have more profits and those profits go to the few who own the corporation. Or you simply raise prices again so that the profits will be as high as those who are investing want it to be. So they talk about inflationary pressures caused by wages. What about inflationary uh, causes by the amount that you're paying the investors, the millions, the billions, the trillions of dollars that have gone in the, in the pharmaceutical industries to the shareholders, that's inflationary. And it didn't go to the employees. It went to the shareholders extracting money out of the middle class, extracting money out of the poor, out of our taxes, out of the government. That's inflationary. has nothing to do with wages. Let's understand economics appropriately. And if we did understand economics, we would under... And, and that's why we need to teach that to our people. That's why people need to listen to these programs. That's why people need to promote these programs, why they need to share these programs. Because here is the deal. Our wages, people say, well, we don't want to pay the employees so much. And you'll even have some employees saying that. If, if, if wages go up too much, there's going to be inflation and it'll cause a, a recession. And then you'll say, well, what, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If profit gets too high, that's coming out of the same pot. Isn't that going to cause a re recession for having profits too high? Look. Uh, we, what we have and we've had in this country since its inception is the theft of the labor and intellect of the American people. We have an economic system that abuses people. It, is a, uh, it, it, was, it first started as slavery and indentured servitude with a few employees. Now we have a complete form of what I call antiseptic slavery for most people. And when we understand that, we will start trying to liberate ourselves from a, an economic system that depends on paying us less than we are worth. And anytime we ask for more, they say that is inflationary or we will have to raise prices. Well, you drop your profits. You drop your profits, which means you are sitting on your butt doing nothing while other people work for your benefit. If that isn't antiseptic slavery, I don't know what is. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the new... Yes, that is antiseptic slavery. Welcome aboard, Germality. Welcome aboard, uh, May Wood. Eric Hayes, I saluted you already. Nanette Birdsmith is here. <coughs> Paul Fleming is here. And Bada Bada Wilts is here. Welcome aboard. Uh, let's see. Germality says, that's clearly the privilege that don't recognize their position. They're ignorant. Well, sometimes yes, sometimes yes. May Wood says... Do you think that maybe they had another crash? Um, what are we talking about? Let me see. Maybe you have to go to the previous message. Anyway, let's see what else we got here. Para ver quien más está hablando, we have Quad Acres and Weapons Industry take over Indo-Pacific quarter of Earth. Is not a great prospect. That comes from E2247. And let's see what else we have to read for you. It keeps freezing. I don't know why you keep freezing, May Wood. Uh, go to YouTube. YouTube is working fine. Sometimes you know how it goes with, um, with Facebook and all, all kinds of stuff. Paul Fleming, I hope I called you out all wet ready. Welcome aboard. Uh, May Wood said, do you think that maybe they had another crash? Who are we talking about, May Wood? Who are we talking about? About another crash. Let me answer that before I go to the next video. Uh, but I do want to get the other video in. It should be coming in shortly. Okay, let's see, let's see. Para ver. All right. Anyhow, the other video, I, I want to set it up. 
we continuously vote against our own interests, right? And my contention is we do that because we too often are not as informed as we should. And many a times, I think that is our own doing. I think uh, sometimes we need to be better at what we do. And I try to learn as much. You know, there are times that I write articles and somebody would write back and say, it would have been nice if you had put it this way or that way. And I try to absorb all that kind of information to constantly make me a better communicator going forward. That is what we all should do. And I want you to listen to this because what Ruben Gallego did today when he was interviewed uh, by uh, Bellart, uh, I think was a, a great thing. Check this out, then we'll take it on the other side. Ruben Gallego from Arizona, representative from Arizona and a member of the Progressive Caucus, has a message and the way he talks about the uh, Build Back Better uh, social infrastructure plan is important. It's something every Democrat needs to learn how to do. I want you to listen to that, to this, and then let's go ahead and take it on the other side. Check out how he does it. Arizona Democratic Congressman Ruben Gallego, who's a member of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. Congressman, it's a pleasure to see you this morning. There's been a lot of reporting over the past 24 to, to 36 hours that the likely price tag for this reconciliation bill will be under $2 trillion. Tuition-free community college out. The expanded child tax credit likely be extended for just one year. The duration of the paid family leave could be reduced from 12 weeks to four. What do you make of this potential outcome? Well, look, we don't focus on the money aspect, you know, the two trillion, three trillion. What we focus on is what impact you're going to have on everyday Americans lives that are trying to recuperate from, uh, you know, the recession uh, that was caused by this pandemic and from the recessions of the past. So, you know, we're here to compromise, uh, to bring uh, the standards of Americans up uh, to what we believe they deserve. And if that means that uh, we're going to have some smaller programs running for a shorter time, but are still making an impact to get it through, then, then we'll do that. Uh, but I want to point out something that's very important for people to understand. This is not a progressive caucus position. 98% of the Democratic caucus has been with the, uh, with the president and the vice president on reconciliation. We're just dealing with two holdouts in the Senate uh, and a few members uh, in the House. So this is not just a progressive position. This is a, a position that's been held by the whole caucus really since the beginning of the year. And importantly, you said it really does. You're not looking at the numbers, but there is a huge difference between one point five trillion, two trillion and three point five trillion dollars. I mean, that's that's these are monstrous numbers. Not really. I mean, look, this is a 10-year program. Uh, we're talking about t- over 10 years. Nobody says that the, the defense budget is $7.7 trillion, uh, but that actually is what it is if you actually did it the same way that we're actually uh, doing the budgeting when it comes to the social infrastructure here. So uh, we're talking about essentially $1 to $200 billion more per year for over 10 years for economy that is about 22 to $23 trillion and growing every year uh, at that point. And in my opinion and opinion of many economists, this will actually help restart the economy, get people out of uh, the poverty that they find in poverty or just general stagnation and really reignite the American middle class. What Ruben Gallego just did was gave perspective. Nobody complains about a defense budget that does nothing but blow things up 
or create uh, create wealth for a whole bunch of corporations. $7.7 trillion over 10 years. Nobody says it that way. They try to make it smaller. Oh, $700 billion, and still it's smaller than the two to $300 billion we're asking for for the uh, social infrastructure project, for the Build Back Better uh, project uh, uh, policies, right? Look, we have an economy that has been stealing. That's, that's nothing more than thuggery against the middle class, nothing more than thuggery against the working people. In other words, it's been extracting a whole lot of money from the individuals, not paying them what they're worth and transferring up to the top. And now we're asking some of the wealthy to pay their fair share, not, not just their fair share, pay your darn taxes, $150 billion in unpaid taxes. Even that they are complaining about. In other words, uh, please Please don't bother us about breaking the law is what the rich is saying now. We owe money, we won't pay it. Uh, you want to pass bills that cause tax increases, we don't want it. Yet they are, have no problems stealing, pilfering the poor, pilfering the middle class. And we have senators like a Senator Cinema who says, oh, we don't want to raise taxes on the wealthy. Come on, we have had the thievery occurring in this country for too long and any senator that doesn't support Build Back Better. Actually, we need a whole lot more than Build Back Better. Any senator not supporting that does not deserve to hold the office. And what we have to do is start informing people with the truth in such a manner that they start voting their interest. The reason we can't get it across is that too many times we are fumbling with messages. And what Ruben Gallego just did right there was to show how you can start, how you can begin giving perspective to messages. When Americans see that their monies are simply going as a transfer method to the wealthy, as a transfer method to corporations and the rich, they will start and continue to start looking at things a bit differently. We spend a lot of time... Absolutely so. Uh, before I forget, after right after this program, I go live on KPFT 90.1 FM. Of course, I pre-recorded it, and it goes live on air 90.1 FM in Houston, Texas. So those of my listeners in Houston, Texas, if you, you, you get another, another treat of a program that I prepared uh, this early this morning for KPFT 90.1 FM. And of course, if you want to listen to it, uh, any, anybody around the country can simply go to kpft.org, kpft.org to see it, I mean to, to listen to it, or just go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash politics and right, youtube.com, I'm sorry, not politics, youtube.com slash Egberto Willis, youtube.com slash Egberto Willis, if you want to actually see the program, I think it start, it premieres at exactly noon central, which is one eastern time, in other words, in about six minutes, where we are on KPFT as well, uh, doing doing our thing anyhow folks anyway folks um that was the last video of the day now it, I, I, I it's completely to you you truly so if you have any other messages that you want me to address before we close this baby down just let me have it but it's kind of funny because uh germality says lol they don't say please when they're taking when they're pilfering us they don't say please they just demand that we giveth everything to them you know it, it always behooved me, right? Where in some states, you can't quite, you know, let's say you have your roof and you have a water collection bottles. Some states actually prevent you from collecting rainwater. Why? Because they want to make water a commodity. I mean, the things that, the, the, the things that we have allowed corporations to uh, force our, politicians to do even though there are more of us than them it's amazing 
But all of it comes from us not acknowledging our worth. If we, for once, for once, realize that we are empowered, all of that would go away. Petition Queen says, we need more parties. Like Germany discussed earlier, multi-party elections can allow for more collaboration, a point made by Lee Drutman. That is absolutely true, uh, Petition Queen. In fact, that's what we're talking about with Claudia Clark, because... Um, right now, when you have either Democrat or Republican and, and neither one fits a particular person, there's no reason to compromise because it's going to be, as she called it, winner take all, which is pretty much the case, winner take all. But in, in the case of this, in the case of the United States, it's not even about winner takes all. It's about minority take all, minority of people take all. Look at we had in, in these last elections, several Republican presidents and only once did they ever win the popular vote. Bush didn't win the popular vote. Uh, 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 um, Trump didn't win the popular vote. Not ever. Yet, you, you know, what, what I find ironic and what I find that um, the rest of the world talks about and we tend to try to ignore. We had a president, Donald Trump, that came into power without a mandate. Donald Trump came into power with a minority of the people. In other words, most people didn't want him. Yet the changes that he made to our judiciary were transforming and will have an effect for decades to come. So we are such an undemocratic country who likes to pat ourselves on the back and say we are exceptional. We are exceptionally, I won't use the word, to have allowed someone that did not win the election democratically to change all many of the structures of government and some of them that are very difficult to undo supreme court only way to undo the supreme court is to either add justices or find a way to impeach one and neither one of those seem to be happening because democrats don't fight the way they need to fight to support the people and there are a lot of reasons why some of it is just it's not in the nature of some, but some of them are simply a reflection of what the plutocracy wants them to do. Be in a party, not necessarily a party that they care to be in, but be in a space to take space to ensure that a lot does not get done. Folks, if you're on YouTube, give me that thumbs up. Give me that thumbs up to make sure the algorithm continues to work. Likewise, you can support us if you are on YouTube by going ahead and uh, clicking that join button, join button to become a part of our PDR Posse. Please consider doing that. Please consider if you're not on YouTube, if you're on some other platform, or if you're on YouTube but don't see the join button, go to politicsandright.com slash YouTube. Alternatively, you can support us on Patreon. We need a lot of patrons as well. Go to politicsandright.com slash Patreon. We accept uh, support as well on PayPal. Consider going to politicsandright.com slash PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. Consider visiting our store, get a, get a hoodie, get a t-shirt, get whatever to really help promote what we're doing, politicsandright.com slash store. And of course, you can get our books at politicsandright.com slash books. And if you want to find that catch-all for all the Politics and Right, go ahead and give us support at politicsandright.com slash support. Um, anyway, folks, I want to thank you so kindly for having spent this time with Politics Done Right. Please remember to share uh, because most people watch this offline at their leisure. 12 o'clock Eastern, 11 Central is not the best time. 
to have the program. So most people watch it on podcasts. Uh, one, one other thing I want to do, I want to go ahead and give you uh, a link to our new podcast repository where you can cross link to all our different podcasts. Please visit it and uh, become a, you can become a member of our podcast there as well. And that is another way to provide support for us. Let me get to the chat screen so I can put that in there. There is the, whoops, aquí está. There is our link to our podcast. But anyhow, no Lone Ranger or cavalry is coming, not to save anyone. 2022 state houses and gubernatorial elections are the deal to invest in. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Anyway, folks, I got to get out of here. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right, and you know exactly how I end this baby. I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.